Pray with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful. Lord, kindle in us the fire of your love. Your word says when you send forth your spirit that we shall be created and you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, on this day, this 17th of November, will you please come and renew each of us? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, I'm grateful that Mike reminded us that the gospel today is also known as the little apocalypse. Ryan said on Sunday it was one of the most fascinating subjects for theologians and non-theologians alike, these end times. And so, newsflash everyone, at least this is what I was taught in seminary, we are living in the end times. The end times, according to scripture and according to my professors, was delineated by the time that Jesus left the earth in resurrection to be seated at the right hand of the Father and the time when he will come again. Now, can we open the book of Revelation, start reading line by line and figure out just where we are in the end times? Well, I think some days we would probably be closer to the truth than other days. Uh, when we see wars or rumors of wars, when we see pestilence, uh, there may be some things that are evident in our time that make us think, ooh, it's getting close, Jesus has got to be coming back. But that's the one thing that I just want to reflect on today, uh, that we are living in end time. So then, how shall we live? If we know that potentially any minute now Jesus is coming, do we have our lamps full? Are we ready? How are we living each day in anticipation of Jesus coming back? With the long view in mind, Ryan talked about that too. I, I mentioned the sermon. That Christians, from the moment we say yes to Jesus, from the moment his saving grace enters our lives, we begin the eternal process of life with God. Hooker says that we're participating every day in our sanctification, that you and I are joining with the Holy Spirit, and we're going out into the world, and we're working with God on his mission to rescue and redeem the whole world. And that's what we'll do until we see him face to face at the end of the end times. So how are we living in these end times? I think our psalm, Psalm 16, tells us. So if you'll pull your prayer book back out and turn to page 283, I just want to point out three claims that this psalm makes, I believe, for living in end times. These are promises that were given to King David that I think are still valid in these end times. Promise number one, verse three. Now I'm reading from the ESV Bible, so I'm not reading from the version you have, but the words are very similar. My verse three reads like this. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. Promise number one, God gives us, thanks be to God, living examples of what it's to look like when we wait in these end times. We just dedicated a garden. At 10 a.m. this morning, a garden dedication was given by the Colonial Dames, the vestry of this church in the city of Georgetown, to honor three women whose daughter, granddaughter, and niece spoke about, for maybe eight minutes, about their dedication and devotion to this church. One of the things we have to remember, brothers and sisters, as we're going through these end times is we are not alone. We're surrounded by brothers and sisters who are the living saints, people who can give us encouragement, especially in times of suffering. The folks that come to us 
Um, at the moment, we've gotten a horrible diagnosis. The folks that come to us when we've lost a loved one. The folks who provide day in and day out for this beautiful space so that just a few of us can come and worship on a Wednesday. The first promise is that in the end times, when we're feeling like things have gotten as bad as they can get, we just simply need to look, find one of those saints, and realize that God is at work even in these end times. Promise number two, uh, my verse number six, we have an inheritance. In these end times, we need never forget that we have been given an inheritance. His name is Jesus. He's been given to us now, and he's been given to us and will be given to us in fullness in eternity. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. That doesn't mean that David is saying, oh, my life's perfect, nothing's gone wrong, and I've got all this money in the bank. What he's saying is because God is on his side, to quote another one of the Psalms, then who could be against him? He's got God with him every step of the way. He's got an inheritance that he's already cashed in on now and will cash in on for eternity. And the third promise is this promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, It's down there in verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night, in the dark times in my life, in the end times of my life. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Notice it doesn't say, I will have a trouble-free life. It says, in the midst of my troubles, I know that the Lord will not remove his hand of care and blessing from me. In these end times, when things seem to be swirling out of control, we got a phone call last night from our daughter-in-law, who's very nervous now about the birth of their new child. And so she asked my wife and I if we wouldn't go get another shot, not a COVID shot, but a shot related to whooping cough. And I thought to myself for a second, wow, isn't she taking this a little too far? Isn't she a Christian? Why is she so nervous? Well, she's nervous because she is worried about the life of her son, uh, my grandson that's going to be born. And and she's worried because she's living in end times. And the thing that I hope I have the chance to do, I didn't do it last night, I said, certainly we'll do anything to see our grandchild, like all of you grandparents would do. But I'm hoping at one point I can look at her and say, Anna, Anna, Anna. Um, without sounding trite, everything's going to be all right. Or as Ryan said from the pulpit on Sunday, this moment is not the end of the day or the end of the world. Uh, We'll get shots, we'll do all the things we can, but ultimately we are in God's hands. And we have to believe that he's got his hand on us even when we can't see it or feel it. And like every psalm um, that I love, this psalm ends with a praise. It, it, It... opens with these promises, verses 1 through 8, and then because of those promises, David is then set free to praise the Lord. Listen to these praises at the end of the psalm, and I couldn't help but thinking of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, he anoints my head with oil. He sets a table in front of my enemies. Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness, I will fear no evil. It's the end times, but David's saying, no, God's got us. Listen to, the, listen to the praise at the end of this psalm that we didn't read, starting at verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. I know God loves me. There's nothing that can steal my joy. My flesh also dwells secure. 
For you, God, will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. We have Christ's holiness in us. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Today and forever, the long view of life now and for eternity. Amen.